Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? All right, Happy New Year. Good to see you. And uh, I've been away for a few weeks, and so if you're new to Timberline, uh, I often say this. My name is Jeff. I'm from Oklahoma, and it's great to be home. Well, we have been, we've been thinking, and we are going to continue to think for the rest of this year about this great theme, Together for the Journey. And as part of that, we are launching a brand new series this weekend called One People. One People. And I'm going to tell you a bit more about that, a little more about that in just a few moments. But let's dive right in, please. Genesis chapter 11, if you have a Bible. Genesis 11, a few verses from there, and then chapter 12 as well. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in China and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel or Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And then Genesis chapter 12 and just actually the first four verses Uh, The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. I've discovered, I'm sure you have too, that journeys uh, sometimes can be difficult and frustrating. It doesn't always go as planned. Before I went back to England, I was smiling about the snow that they were having there. And uh, uh, there was chaos. Uh, I said then that we, we uh, only have one snowplow back in England. And uh, the guy takes a vacation quite a bit who owns it. And so there was a lot of chaos. I discovered this photograph of four snowplows and got really, really excited. I thought they've multiplied. That's good. Uh, Turns out they're from Germany. So (laughs) what can I tell you? But there was chaos there. Some people spent seven days. Heathrow Airport, can you believe this? The busiest airport in the world closed for seven days. Complete chaos. Sometimes journeys don't go so well. Um, When I was back in London uh, this time, I was shooting a film for New Christians, a DVD series. And the idea is that I trek around the country and uh, I visit various people. And I was doing this take in London where I'm supposed to be speaking as I'm in the car and I have to get out of the car and continue to talk to the camera. But there were some challenges in getting out of the car. So rather than explain it, here's the blooper. All right. Do you want to see the blooper reel? Here, OK, here we go. Let's have a look. There's up images of, of people sitting in a beautiful building somewhere with stained glass or, or maybe the past. (Laughter) 
I'm sorry, I can't. Stained glass somewhere, or perhaps. Beautiful building somewhere. Now the seatbelt on. Isn't isn't it kind of encouraging to know your pastoral team is so utterly gifted? Isn't that? Sometimes journeys don't go so well. That one certainly didn't. If we're going to successfully navigate our journey with God as one people, we've got to know who we are, where we're going, and why we're going there. And that's why we're going to uh, look at this subject for this next uh, six weeks. Now, as we start thinking about being the people of God, you might have been surprised that we kick off in Genesis 11 and 12. You might have thought, well, let's start on the, on the day of Pentecost. Let's start in the gospel somewhere or Paul's letter to the Ephesians. But actually, it's really important that we go to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, because it's there that we see the foundation stones for the people of God. Genesis chapters 1 through 11, it covers the period known as primeval history. God created. It was good. Humanity rebelled. It was bad. There's the first murder. And for the first or through the first 11 chapters, what we see is that things are progressively getting worse. And the climax of that is this humanistic, godless plan to build a city so that humanity could make a name for itself, if you like, a plan for the earth that excluded God. It is at that point, at Genesis chapter 11, that suddenly everything changes. The Google Earth camera zooms in on Ur of the Chaldees, a very sophisticated city, big houses, developed educational system, to a man called Abraham who is living in that city. Genesis chapters 1 through 11 is the one people plan without God. And it's at that moment, everybody... It's at that moment that God launches his one people plan. A plan that begins with this man called Abraham. And as that story unfolds through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the formation of the twelve tribes, the persecution of Egypt, and then the epic exodus, and the gathering together of the people of Mount Sinai, It is as all of that unfolds that we see that God is not just evacuating people from a bad situation, but he is creating Israel, a people on the earth, for his purposes. You see, here's the point I want us to see right at the start. God has always got his will done through communities of people. That's why it's not only nice that we're together today, it's vital. That's why all this togetherness matters. Isn't it true that we're living in an individualistic culture? We, you, don't have to, you don't have to eat your hamburger the way that I eat my hamburger. You can just order exactly what you want. You can have it your way. I've said before, when I first came to America, I, I had trouble going out for breakfast because they asked me how I wanted my eggs. And, I, you know, I come from England, so I'd say, well, on a plate, that'd be a good start. 
because we don't get the option. You just get eggs. And here I had to I had to learn this whole new vocabulary. I thought I thought sunny side up was a weather report. You know, what is what is all of this? Have it your way. I used to be able to just say something as simple as this. I'd like coffee. (laughs) Now I have to mentally prepare myself to order. Sometimes I actually write it down. Because, you know, they say, well, I've got all of these different choices. It's all about me. The way I want things. Individualism. And the danger is that that can even affect the way that we read the Bible. We read the Bible and we think it's just talking to me rather than us. Let me, let me illustrate that. When you read the word you... In English, in the Bible, the problem is that the second person singular, you, is the same as the second person plural, you. It's the same English word. But we think when it's talking to us, it's just talking to me. Now, now where I come from in Oklahoma, we've solved this. We've solved this because we say, y'all. And when we really want to talk to a lot of people, we say, oh, y'all. I hope you appreciate this. I've been practicing this part of the sermon really, really hard, you know. (laughs) Sometimes I think it would be helpful if the Bible was written in Oklahoman. (laughs) Because we can read individually what God is saying to us together. And we discover our destiny as being part of the people of God. Of course we are unique. Of course we are. And yet, in our uniqueness, we discover the joy and fulfillment of God's purposes as we are together. So let's look at this more closely. One people. First of all, one people journeying with God. One people journeying with God, if you're following along in the bulletin. Look at verse 1. God says to Abraham, or Abraham at that stage, I will show you. I'll show you this land. God doesn't send Abraham. God goes with him. Abraham receives a new revelation about God. We know from Joshua chapter 24 that Abraham came from a family that worshipped idols. And there's a a, a rabbinic tradition that undergirds that as well. So there needed to be a rethinking about God before the journey could take place. By the way, I, I just need to say that it might be for some of us, we need to rethink the way we think about who God is. Because if we don't have the right idea, we won't want to travel with him. It's important that we understand who he is. But not only is there a a revelation to Abraham, but there is an intimacy. This is a journey with God. And let me say this. Christianity is not just about being nice people and attending church and believing the right stuff. It is about journeying with Jesus every day. And I want to make a shocking statement, maybe. I hope you won't be mad about this. I, I reached a point recently when I... I actually said to God, I'm, I'm weary of being a Christian. I, I'm just worn out with it. I've got to pray more, read the Bible more, be a nicer guy, reach the guy next door, change the world, deal with the environment, solve world hunger. I, I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. And I just thought, I said to God, I, I, I just want a break. You know, I, I don't want a purpose-driven life. I just want a life. 
I don't want purpose. I don't want to be driven. I just want to go play golf. I just want to hit the ball because hitting the ball would be an improvement for me. Now, some of you are lit, sitting there thinking, this is weird. Pastor Jeff has come back from England and we're not sure he's a Christian anymore. <laughs> now, that's not what I'm saying because, you see, there's nothing wrong with Jesus. It's not, Jesus is not the problem. Jesus says, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So if I'm worn out with this stuff, it's not Jesus that's the problem. It's the way I do my Christianity that can be the problem. We getting that? And I realize that Sometimes, folks, not sometimes, always. Let me just tell you, trying to live Christianity without lots of Jesus is a real heavy deal, and it's going to wear you out. We need to be people who walk with him. By the way, when I say walk with him, I don't want to give the wrong impression. Uh, sometimes I hear people say, prayer is a conversation. I'm not sure. That's not true for me. It's not always that way. I didn't wake up this morning and say, hello, Lord. And he said, hello, Jeff. And I said, what's happening? How are you doing? And he said, I'm fine. I'm God. It's just that way. <laughs> oh, it's great, Lord. Would you, like, would you like me to wear my cowboy boots today? They're really fine boots, but wouldn't match those particular pants. So. <laughs> See, I meet Christians who give the impression that that's how it is for them every day. I can't work out whether they're profoundly spiritual or whether they need help. <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest about this stuff. So when I, when I paint a picture of a relationship, I want to say a lot of times we come with our stuff to God and he doesn't say anything or maybe we're not listening or maybe there's, I don't know, but let's not paint a portrait that is not quite true. That said, this Christian life is a journey of intimacy and friendship with God. It's an invitation in a virtual reality world where our kids can save the planet to discover the real reality. It's, a, it's an invitation for meaning or to meaning in life. There's a story of, of the, uh, uh, in Greek mythology of Sisyphus, a man who upset the gods and was sentenced to roll a huge stone up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, down a hill, endlessly, forever. And you know what life can be like that? I go to work to get the money to buy the food to give me the strength, to go to work to get the money to buy the food to give me the strength, to go to work to get the money to buy the food, to watch daytime TV, to give me the strength. This is an invitation to journey with God. Are we doing that as Christians? Will we like to start doing that if you're not a Christian today. One people journeying with God. Secondly, one people journeying under God's provision. One people journeying under God's provision. Look at verse 2. I will make you into a great nation, God says to Abraham, and I will bless you. In Genesis chapters 1 through 11, the word blessing is used five times. And now in three verses, it's used five times. What is blessing? I'm not absolutely sure, because the Hebrew word barak, for blessing, is not easy to directly translate. It, it has the sense of the bestowing of something good, vitality, health, longevity, fertility. Uh, for Abraham, it meant that they were going to have a child. Now think about that, he's 75 years of age. 
and his wife is 65 years old. And I love, I love what it says in Hebrews 11 about this couple. It says they were as good as dead. <laughs> kind of rude, isn't it? I'm getting a bit sensitive about this sort of stuff. A lady came up to me recently and she said, you're looking slim and trim. I said, thank you very much. She said, I love it when older people take care of themselves. (laughs) Lovely, that's cute, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But get this, a 75-year-old and a 65-year-old have a child because they are blessed, because they are not now limited by the horizons of their own self, but God is able to do something that they cannot expect. That's why what Chad is saying to us about celebrating recovery is so important, because we're the people, we're the people who do not believe that we are sentenced to sameness, or who are limited by our own humanistic resources. There is a God who says, I will bless And that means that that which was improbable or even impossible can happen. And that's challenged me. Because I'm wondering how much I ask God to do these days. How much do I ask of him? I've been, another confession, I've been in a bit of reaction. I, I got a bit fed up with the guys on TV who are always telling me I can be blessed right now in Jesus' name. I just call the toll free number on the screen. just think (laughs) so I've reacted against that and I discovered I quit asking and I also I also I struggled recently two weeks ago I was in Washington DC visiting our son there and we went to the Holocaust Museum if you haven't been there and you have the opportunity go it is profoundly moving gut-wrenching experience the president of Iran is wrong The Holocaust happened, and we must never forget it. And we got all the way through the museum, the flickering black and white images of terrible things. But the bit that really impacted me, the part that really impacted me, is they have a display at the end, a great long hallway where there are hundreds, maybe thousands of shoes. The shoes that were taken from people just before they were ushered into the gas chambers and then fed into the crematoria. And you can, as I did, you can lean over the display and you smell the leather of the shoes. And I am, come with me to that moment, I'm standing there and I smell the leather and I realise that this is not vague history, that people owned these shoes. And I then struggled with this theological and philosophical conundrum I suddenly thought, how can I ever ask God for anything ever again? My requests seem pathetic in the light of the tragedy of this event. And I wish I could stand up here today and tell you that I've figured that one out. All I can tell you is that in the midst of a world of suffering and pain, God still wants me to bring my small stuff to him. And I don't have a rational explanation as to why I should and can, but all I know is he tells me to ask. 
And that's not to reduce him to being the God who is spending all of his time saving parking spaces for Christians. (laughs) And yet, he invites me to share my stuff with him. He is the God who blesses. What are we asking of him as we continue into this new year. Well, the last thing I want to talk about is that we are one people, one people journeying for God's purposes in the earth. One people journeying for God's purposes in the earth. Look at verse 2. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is interesting Hebrew here. It literally is be you a blessing. You see, Abraham wasn't to pray for the blessing of God on the earth. He was the blessing. He and his people. Israel was called to be a chosen people, not at the expense of the rest of the world, but for the sake of them. Israel was designed to be a catalyst for prophets and politicians and priests. A lighthouse people, to quote the book of Isaiah who would show the planet what life lived for God and with him actually looks like. Can I make a statement that I have to make because I've just been to that museum? There is never a sense in the Bible of ethnic superiority of Israel. Never. The idea of an ethnically pure master race is an idea that was birthed in Nazism and elsewhere throughout history, but is never found in the Bible. A little bit of work here. When the people of God are described in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is am, which means a community, rather than goy, which means a geopolitical nation. Now, what's, what's all that about? It means that this was simply a community that God wanted to use and not an ethnically superior or pure master race that he was creating. And that's really important that we get that. But these were people who were called to serve God's purposes. They weren't just there for themselves. I'm challenged by these words from Michael Griffiths. Uh, He says this, Christians collectively seem to be suffering from a strange amnesia. A high proportion of people who go to church have forgotten what it's all for. Week by week, they attend services in a special building and go through their particular time-honoured routines, but give little thought to the purpose of what they're doing. And the purpose of one people is to remind us again of who we are and what we're doing. Otherwise, we can have a mutated notion about what the church is. The big picture, everyone, is this. We're not here for us. We can treat church like a restaurant. Well, you know, if you don't feed me the right way, I'll get mad and and go somewhere else. As Pastor Darry said, I think last weekend, we want us to be self-feeders who don't simply rely on one meal a week when we're together. Or we can treat a church like a clinic, like a hospital. If you don't care for me exactly as I want you to, I'll get mad with you. If someone upsets me, then I'm just not going to hang around. Or we can treat church like a singing group where it's just about somehow worshipping and worship is important. But if we just see church as a singing group, guess what's going to happen? When we don't sing your song, you're going to get mad. 
And you're going to say, you didn't sing my song. And I want you to sing my song. And I think God wants you to sing my song. Church is not about just being a singing group or a lecture hall where if we don't agree with everything that we hear on every detailed take of the Christian life, we get, we get mad. One of the biggest mistakes we can make is to think about church simply as being a building. <laughs> we, are, we are blessed, truly, to have this beautiful building. But I think we must affirm this. This is not the church. The Bible never refers to a church and associates that with a building. This is not the church. This is the church. We have, this is a facility. You say, well, what difference does it make? It makes a whole lot of difference. Because if this is the church, then what will happen is we'll dress up and go see God on Sunday morning and then live differently on Monday morning. But when we recognize that we are the church seven days a week, 24-7, then that is... A different story. And I'm challenged by this, everybody. Are there consumerist attitudes that I need to repent of? How about you? Where, because we live our whole lives as consumers, then we take that attitude to being part of the people of God. Are there attitudes that God wants to change in us? We're one people walking with God. We're one people living under blessing. We're one people here, not just for ourselves, but for God's purposes. And this year, as I close, we have a number of wonderful opportunities to live that out. Step out of our comfort zones. Be a sacrificial people as we say, God, how can we connect with your purposes? Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your big plan, the Genesis 12, one people plan, that goes all the way through to the end of the book of Revelation and continues to unfold today. Thank you for the privilege that we have of being part of that big plan. We are grateful. We pray for ourselves, Lord, those of us who are followers of yours, would you help us to journey with you? Would, you? would you save us from the tiresome exhaustion of trying to do Christianity without enough of the living Jesus in that? Would you show us afresh what it means to walk with you realistically, sharing our stuff with you? We pray for those here today who maybe are not Christians, who are thinking about changing that. And I want to say right where you are seated right now, in whatever auditorium, you can make a decision right now to say, I do not want to continue to roll a stone up and down a hill. I want Christ to step into my life. The Bible says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. Why don't you... Turn your life over to him right now. Turn away from the way you've been doing life. Invite him to take charge and save you. Forgiveness is available because of what Jesus has done. I want to say before I move on in this prayer, at the end of this service in both auditoriums, our prayer teams will be here. 
This is important. If you're making that decision, come and talk to one of us. We pray, Lord, too, that you'll help us to be a people who live with an eye beyond the horizon of ourselves. We are a blessed people. We pray into situations right now where we have been overwhelmed with the idea that they're never going to change. We bring them to you in this moment. And we ask for your blessing. We ask for surprises. Give us the ability in a hurting world to still bring the things that worry us, that break our hearts to you. And finally, Lord, we bring our attitudes to you. We pray that you will save us from a consumer spirit. Take us deeper than that. May we be a people, just one church in many, part of the worldwide family, people of God. But give us a commitment to you and to each other that goes beyond the songs we sing, the way we do things, the building itself. May we be a people this year who respond to the marvelous opportunities that we have to connect to your purposes. So we agree together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. It's not to us, Lord, and it's not all for us. It's for your glory and it's for your purposes. Thank you that you go with us now. We've been together and individually now you go with us into our world. We pray that you will take us with a sense of friendship with you this week. May we discover blessing and fulfill your purpose. We agree together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. It's been really good to see y'all this morning. God bless you. Have a great week. Our prayer team are here. If we can pray with you, we'd love to do that. God bless you.